Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. And that music can only mean one thing. It is time for guys of a certain age. Robbie Koblenz. And Art Shirley. And Jay is on assignment. Uh, you know, one day we'll release the uh, unreleased recordings of us trying to get Jay's Geek of the Week. Um, it was pretty darn Yeah, funny. it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Got every sixth word, maybe. I don't know. It was just kind of strange. It, it really was. It really was. So uh, thank you, Skype. You let us down again. So... Anyway, we will say that his geek of the week was the uh, AMC theaters and Alamo Draft House running their uh, a marathon of all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies leading up to Endgame, and then seeing Endgame at the end of that. I think is what we got from that. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was like twenty-two movies, I believe. Twenty-two movies. Uh, I think he said fifty-nine hours and seven minutes in a very Spock-like fashion. <laughs> Captain, yeah. uh, and a hundred thirty-five dollar ticket price is what it, what it would cost. So. Which does not include popcorn. <laughs> does not include po- two thousand dollars for popcorn, unfortunately. Which is uh, and, and doesn't include showers. I wonder if it included baby baby wipes. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm not going to do that. We've been trying to watch all the Marvel movies in sequence since like back uh, back in the fall, and I think we're pretty well caught up. Yeah, I think so. There's not any that there are none that I haven't seen, and I may go back and I've seen kind of a short hand version of the list that you can go to really get the highlights yeah so i may do yeah. that so kind of like cool hand luke shorthand list yeah 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 shorthand list there you go double uh, eggs yeah um all right so On my geek you. of the week is uh actually he uh, jay mentioned shawarma while he was there and i'll just say quickly we were in new orleans this past weekend and pl- passed a place where they were selling shawarma and started to go in and get that but i thought you know in new orleans i think i'll get something uh, cajun instead get a muffaletta yeah muffaletta muffaletta yeah uh, but my geek of the week was after watching uh, the required viewing that we had assigned to us for uh, we'll be discussing later in this episode. I watched uh, a Sinbad movie, Golden Voyage of Sinbad, with John Philip Law and Carolyn Monroe. And um, interestingly enough, the villain who I remembered being played by Christopher Lee, I was completely wrong on that. And the villain was played by Tom, Tom Baker. Baker. That's dun, right. Dun, Tom dun, Baker dun, did an dun, excellent dun, job. Dun, and in fact, it was his uh, role in this movie that led uh, to him being uh, considered for and, and ultimately getting the the role of a Doctor Who, and I'm not sure what number of Doctor he was. I'm sure you. We'll talk tell about me. that yeah, later. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, I was sitting there and going, "Oh my gosh, it's uh, Tom Baker, Doctor Who, uh, easily one of the more famous Doctor Who's, I would say, probably for for many, the Doctor Who. That's right. But. Uh, uh, it was cool to see him in that role, and, and just a fun movie anyway. So that was my Geek of the Week. Yeah, I knew he was in that, and I'd forgotten about that. Had, you know? Yeah, me too. I'd forgotten that. Uh, like I said, I had in my mind it was Christopher Lee. And yeah. he, he, I think Christopher Lee was offered the role first, but Tom Baker just nailed it. I mean, just did a great job. And they're about the same age. They're Probably real close. Probably so, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Christopher, Christopher Lee's, Lee may be a little older. Just a yeah. little bit older. And Christopher Lee's a Jedi Knight, or a Sith, I should say. Yeah. So. But Tom Baker's a Tom Lord. Yeah, time, that's right. Time Lord, not Tom, a Tom Lord. <laughs> yeah, and he played a Time Lord twice, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So, yeah, yeah, cool stuff. So, um, my Geek of the Week is is something kind of old, but it it uh, just uh, put two and two together. So, um, we're 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 building a, a cabin at, at a location unknown, uh, and my uncle Melvin, my dad, one of my dad's brothers, came down and uh, helping uh, helping him with it. He's a master carpenter and. 
and his wife Catherine came with him and uh, gave my wife a CD. So Catherine gave Monty a CD of some dulcimer music. And I'm looking at it, and on the back of it, it's Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And uh, I remember a year or two ago um, that there was this dulcimer version of Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. And I'm going to like start playing that. Let's see. Oh, that's great. may have paid played enough now where you have to pay rights for it but <laughs> well so so what's interesting uh-huh. about this this is by a guy named Ted Yoder who's uh, from Goshen Indiana and so uh, so Catherine my my uncle's wife gave my wife the CD of dulcimer music and I'm like, I'm like hey I know this tune because this this blew up about a year and a half two years ago it's got uh, almost 1.5 million views on YouTube and uh, so I asked, uh, asked my uncle. Now, this is second marriage for both. Both of their previous spouses had passed away, so this is a later marriage. And I, I asked my uncle, so what's the relation? And uh, turns out that this dude is Catherine's son. Oh, my gosh. So Ted Yoder, the dulcimer artist uh, supreme here, is uh, my uncle's wife's son. So he's not a cousin because, you know, he my uncle's his stepdad right but uh so this is a great piece of music and in fact uh, i've got uh, a little uh a little book that uh catherine gave us and it's got a quote from kurt smith lead singer for tears for fears and uh i, I love tears for fears yeah. and he uh uh Kurt Smith said when he heard it, he was just blown away, and he uh, was doing a concert in Indianapolis and actually offered to come up and record the vocal for this track with with Ted and ended up going to Goshen, Indiana, spending a day with Ted wow. and his family and hanging out and just really enjoyed. That is too cool. That how, is very cool. How, how cool is that? Yeah. So uh, he's got a bunch of other stuff. He's got a, uh, Dust in the Wind. He's got, you know... He's got five CDs out. There's some great stuff. And actually, he's got six CDs out. And uh, his music's available everywhere. So, Well, it, the m- music is beautiful, but it's also, we're watching it on YouTube. And it's fascinating to watch him play this thing, too. It, it, it really is. I'm going to pull Dust in the Wind up. So, And it's funny now that I can see the resemblance between he and, and uh, one of his brothers is here. And, uh, uh, and, and Catherine. So... Um, Let's see if we can get to him. I'm fast forwarding in the YouTube. This is Dust in the Wind. That's great. Isn't that incredible? So that's uh that's my geek of the week. I've got a his his mom did laundry at my house yesterday. Wow! Yeah, how do you like that? That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just really incredible stuff. But the uh, everybody wants to rule the world is is one of my favorites. And, yeah, that's great. That really. Then that was Dust in the Wind was great as well. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, check him out. And what's the uh, what's the website again? What's well, it's uh, oh, and I just closed. His name is Ted Yoder. Okay, and, it looks like uh, he's got a website at Ted Yoder. 
Yoder.com. Yeah, tedyoder.com is where you need to go. T-E-D-Y-O-D-E-R.com. Yeah. And he's got links to everything there. So just a really talented guy that I've got a brush of uh, brush of uh, fame there with. And uh, so anyway, that's my Geek of the Week. That's uh, good. I'm, I'm getting music geeks of the week. Yeah, weeks. that's right. This is, well, you had the yeah. alien one that kind of. Was was not a musical version of Alien. But, yeah, no. Yeah. How would that have been? That would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. The face hugger. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, well, that will cue us into what our next segment. We've done Geek of the Week, so now it's time for That's right. At long last, it- Robbie gets to talk. Doctor Who. And I think uh, there's a reason I think Jay skipped out today. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so so Doctor Who is part of the geek pantheon. It's kind of a, a rite of passage to an extent. So um, that was the intro from the fourth Doctor, the uh, aforementioned Tom Baker. And uh, so anyway, we, we really haven't touched Doctor Who much at all on our podcast. Uh, you know, before Star Wars and, and probably after Star Wars too. There were the separation was Star Trek or Doctor Who. You're either a fan of one or the other, and as is the case with Star Wars and Star Trek, a lot of people are fans of both. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'll admit I did not grow up watching Doctor Who. I had friends that did. Uh, I've watched some of the recent episodes, and as I mentioned earlier, Robbie gave us viewing assignments, and I, after watching the episodes that that he had us watch, I realized I need to go back and watch these. But that being said. I'll turn it over to you now. Wow, as wow. the expert of all things Whovian. So, so the, the, the thing was, Jay and I actually had lunch on Monday, and he had a whole page of Doctor Who questions that, yeah. that we went through. And we only went through like four questions. So. Oh, I thought you said only four pages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> only four pages. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great stuff. So, uh, well, let's talk about what I assigned you to watch, um, which I can't remember. It was Blink, Girl in the Fireplace. Uh, but it was uh, Benson all- and the Doctor, uh, Midnight, which was one of my favorite and uh, uh, the Chris Dalek 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 you just yeah, yeah. Dalek so can't believe you did that okay me? sorry so threw him off yeah it was a uh, test it was it, only a test yeah uh, a test of the emergency all of them were really Who. good uh, Blink was a standout favorite for me I thought I had seen that but it was another Weeping Angels episode that I had seen that occurs later uh, uh, this was the uh, I think the introduction of the Weeping Angels is that right or have they shown them before? No, that's the that's the beginning of the Weeping, Weeping Angels and uh, that was uh, that was series three oh well the series three which was Matt Tennant's um, David Tennant David Tennant yeah, yeah not to be confused let's with get Matt another Tennant. Doctor Who expert in here oh, right away <laughs> man I tell you what I've got multiple screens going so. Um, yeah, so I, I've been a Doctor Who fan since the late 70s when uh, when the BBC, through their Lionheart television division, syndicated Doctor Who to PBS stations in uh, in the U.S., and they syndicated Faulty Towers. And, Monty Python, and, they had some of that on there. Yeah, Python came through. And basically, they're, they're, top, they're top pieces. And uh, there were so many Doctor Who episodes um, that they actually serialized it out as a daily strip. Doctor Who was a weekly show in Britain, as it is now. Um, but each each you would have a a story which would go over two, four, or six half hour episodes. And so, our local PBS affiliate here in Mississippi, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, then Mississippi Educational Television, uh, it was on every night at six o'clock Monday through Friday. 
And uh, so that's how I discovered Doctor Who. And I would go next door to my grandmother's house to watch it because my folks were watching the news at 6 o'clock. Right. So uh, I had to go over there and just fell in love with Tom Baker. Um, Tom Baker played the role from 74 to 80. He's the guy most people recognize as Doctor Who uh, from back in the day. Curly hair, long scarf. Um, played it. He had the longest run of any Doctor uh, before or since. And uh, he was the fourth actor to play the role. And that's what really introduced Doctor Who to the United States. So, anyway. Again, the friends of mine that are Doctor Who fans, that's exactly how they discovered it, too. You yeah. Know, watching on educational TV. And, you know, they were just obsessed with it. And they said, I can't believe you're not watching this. And I don't know why I didn't watch it unless I was watching the news, which is very <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> well, um, I think they used some of the same Star Trek sets. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, I don't know. Both, both of those were uh, production values were not nearly as high as they've become. Oh, no, there were they were not. You yeah. know, and that was the thing about Doctor Who is um, that's uh, kind of the, the charm of the show. I think yeah, for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. But, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, diplomatically, that's the charm of it. So some of the cool things about Doctor it's one of the longest running TV shows ever. It's the longest running science fiction show uh, in television. And when history. did it start? Because you said Tom Baker was the fourth, started in 74. So uh, obviously there were three 63. Others. 63. Okay. So was it a continuous run from 63 so, through that time? Or? So uh, it started in 63. The, uh, the pilot episode aired the day after JFK got killed. Oh, wow. And so they re-aired the pilot the week later. Okay. And um, so it was originally conceived by the BBC as a, um, as, a, as a kid's historical adventure. They were trying to introduce kids to historical through science fiction. Okay, great, this, yeah. This, uh, well, he is a time traveler. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Some would call him a time lord. Yeah. Most, or a time lord. <laughs> yeah, most would call him a time lord. Yeah. And so um, it... They had tried to cast a few more well-known actors. They ended up casting William Hartnell, who I think got the role at age 55. He'd played some gruff sergeants and kind of westerns. and, and So Army and westerns were what he'd done. Okay. He'd, he'd done a lot of character acting. And uh, so they cast it, and it, it the, the first episode had to be reshot. Um, it met with Tippett tepid response mm -hmm. the thing that really started doctor who on um, popularity was the creation of the dialects and so the the powers that be at the bbc the uh the the producer i cannot remember his name i'll look it up he didn't want a bug-eyed monster right i don't want bug-eyed monsters at all uh -huh. sydney newman i think it was his name and so terry nation who went on to write blake seven and a few other uh, science fiction things for the BBC came up with the idea of the dialects, which were these pepper pot looking robots that just struck heart of fear into the heart of kids everywhere. Uh -huh. And so the dialects premiered and then you started having school kids running around going exterminate, <laughs> exterminate. That's incredible. Isn't it? And so the dialects is really what propelled Dr. Who. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so they realized, Oh, okay, we've got, we've got something with legs. Mm -hmm. And, um, Except that the dialects didn't, didn't have, have legs. legs. That's right. That's right. Um, but later they did, if you get into the mythos, to the Tom Baker episode, Genesis of the Dialects, and you realize that the Daleks were actually the Khaled's, Dalek spelled backwards, ah. mutated and put into robotic right, machines yeah. to fight the You saw a little bit of that in the uh, Eccleston episode yeah. that we saw. Yeah. So I was wondering if that was the first time we'd ever seen what was inside no. the case. We've no. seen that before. Yeah, okay. you'd seen it before. But one of the cool things about Doctor Who is the fact that, um, so Hartnell got sick. He couldn't really perform very well towards the end of the third season mm -hmm. and so they were trying to figure out a way to continue the show without Hartnell 
And so they came up with the idea of he's an alien. When he gets in, in physical distress, his body changes. They didn't call it regeneration. Oh, they did not at first. Okay. And uh, so you don't even know who the Time Lords are early on. You just know he's a an alien in a, mm-hmm. in a time machine. And I've always thought that was a brilliant, yeah, dramatic conceit. That really is because it gives you the ability to go on. And, of course, they had no idea. I'm sure that it would run nearly as long as yeah. it has. But it gives them the ability to replace that actor and – you know, and have it make sense to the to the central theme of the character, and, and in some cases later on uh, to fire that actor and continue the show. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So it allows a soft reboot of the show mm-hmm. uh, because you've got so each doctor has their own costume, they have their own personality, their own eccentricities, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's it's a soft reboot of the show as it goes on. So Hartnell was followed by a, a dude named Patrick Trotton. Uh, Hartnell was older. Trotton was a little bit younger, actually a lot younger. Um, was he the guy with the bowl cut? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so he had kind of a, a little bit of a comedic background. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it from 66 to uh, 69, 68, 69. Um, no, 66 to 69, he did three years, replaced by John Pertwee, mm-hmm. older actor who had been a cabaret performer. And um, because of budget cuts, uh, they ended up, um, the, 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 the dramatic device at the end of Trotton's run was he was forced to regenerate by the Time Lords because you find out who the Time Lords are. And uh, this was punishment because of all the things he had done because he's off helping people oh, okay. and they made him regenerate and they, they, they exiled him to earth. Okay. And so because of budget cuts, now you're stuck on earth and you have a new actor. And, uh, so, so Pertwee did it till, um, till so Baker took over. Yeah. So Baker took over in 74. So Pertwee was 70 to 74. Baker came in. Baker was 40 years old when he was cast and, um, he ran with it till 81. Wow. 81 um and that was kind of the the uh, golden era of doctor who mm-hmm. um you ended up with color television so you had color sets obviously well you had color technology the sets were always in color uh-huh. um and you you ended up with a little bit more serious a little bit more gothic approach mm-hmm. um there's a there's a uh there's a great episode that scared the bejeebers out of me called state of decay and uh it was the sixth season of, of, of Baker's Run, and the whole idea was this uh, this space exploration crew ended up in kind of a pocket dimension called eSpace, um, and they ended up on a planet with this giant vampire, and these giant vampires wow. were, were like the sworn enemies of the Time Lord, uh-huh. and the Time Lord had actually um, destroyed them through through. Uh, the entirety of space and time, but this one giant vampire ended up uh, in this little pocket dimension, ended up on this planet and this, this crew, the, the, uh, the, the captain, first officer and science officer, very Star Trekian, uh-huh. end up becoming a king, queen and, and chief advisor over this medieval society. And they live forever. Wow. And so they're drawing their power from the vampire and so the castle was actually a rocket. And in order to kill the vampire, they had to, the doctor and his companions had to fire off the rocket. And it would come up and it came down 
and pierced the vampire in the heart because the vampire was like a Godzilla size, okay. you know, slumbering underneath. And it was just, it was really gothic. Uh-huh. It was really creepy. Um, the music's always been kind of creepy. I mean, yeah. integral part of Doctor Who. So Baker did that until, um, until 81. And then they, they went a little bit younger with the casting. Peter Davison was cast. Mm-hmm. I think Peter Davison was 28 or 29 when he was cast. Okay. He was da- the croquet player? Yeah. Or the, okay. yeah cricket. 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh, Davison had played a uh, starring role in All Creatures Great and Small, the BBC adaptation. Right. I remember that. And uh, then he did a bunch of stuff afterwards, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you had Davison till 83. Uh, and then Colin Baker, no relation to Tom Baker, was cast in 83. He ran to 86. Um, there were some issues creatively. The show went on hiatus. They came back with um, with a, 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 an art called Trial of a Time Lord where they cut the, uh, the episode order down. Um, and, um, you know... It, there were some creative differences with Baker, and they end up firing Colin Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually met Colin Baker in 1986 at a wow. uh, at a uh, uh, Doctor Who convention in New Orleans. That was one of my as a. 85 or 86, maybe been 85. Was, was it called the Houdat convention? No, it no, wasn't called Doctor Houdat. Houdat. No, it was called. Pen- There's a great idea that you're missing out on Doctor called, Who convention in New Orleans. Yeah, it's called the Panopticon. I was 15. My folks put me on an Amtrak to go to New Orleans, stayed with family, friends, and that was um, that was my first time to spend any time in New Orleans. Wow. wow. It was uh, it was kind of crazy. Went this to- may be a story for another podcast. Yeah, it, yeah. it, okay. it could or be. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. And uh, so met Tom Baker, I mean, uh, Colin Baker uh-huh. and uh, the producer, uh, John Nathan Turner, Lethbridge Stewart, who was the brigadier, got their autographs. And it was really, really, really kind of cool. Okay. Baker was fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, not long after that, that Sylvester McCoy was cast, and uh, the quality of the show had kind of reached its zenith with with the Baker Davison years, uh-huh. and uh, the writing wasn't as good, the sets weren't as good, if you can believe that, and viewership eroded because science fiction was not really in vogue in the late eighties. Right. I mean, I mean post Return of the Jedi, there was kind of a drought of science fiction. Right. It's almost. People had had their fill by that point, except for some of us that you know couldn't yeah. get enough of it. Yeah. But there were a lot of them, so they they were kind of ready for a return to more not adult movies in the in the terms of X yeah. movies, but adult themed movies. And they yeah. thought the kid stuff has gone on long enough. Let's do something different. So yeah. So Doctor Who was kind of a victim of that. The BBC canceled it in eighty nine, I believe. Eighty nine. Okay. How many doctors had? I'm gonna. I've got a couple of questions. I've got a few questions okay. for background. Okay. First of all. This has no basis or whatever in any type of book or any other type of. It was complete. It was created completely for the TV series. That's is correct. That correct. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's not no, a book that's it's no literary on. background. No, no, so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how you mentioned the uh, episode run? What was a typical episode run of? Uh, of the of like a, a Tom Baker season was it 22, 24 uh, yeah, episodes? 22 23 episodes yeah twenty two twenty three episodes similar to what we do yeah, now yeah. as opposed to what we're seeing with a lot of British TV. Where they call it, they call it a series instead yeah. of the season, and it's you know maybe three to, to eight episodes, not That's a whole right. lot. Yeah, but so that was typical of like American television at the time. Yeah, 24. yeah, very very episodic, half hour episodes. Oh, half hour rather than an hour. That That's was right. the other question I was going to have for you too. Yeah. So they were half hour at first. That's right. Okay, now they're they're an hour, and so when we get to this this hiatus point, how many doctors had we had? Uh, you were on the seventh Doctor, Sylvester okay. McCoy, and I know we had some movies. That happened in the seventies with Peter Cushing playing Doctor so Who. Late, are those canon or are those? No, no, no they're those not. Are not. Okay. So late sixties uh, with the with the 
um, the popularity of the Daleks, mm -hmm. they decided to cash in, and so they cast Peter Cushing as uh, an American, in, a, a, an Earth inventor named the Doctor, who had a time machine called the TARDIS. Okay, so nothing very tenuous connection. To exactly, the show. Okay. exactly. And it was an opportunity. A to money take, grab is what it was. Well, yeah. and they, they took a well-known movie star at the time and uh, took a popular concept and kind of tweaked it somewhat. And it's interesting that we're talking about the movies as we we talk about Sylvester McCoy in the end of Doctor Who in 1989, because uh, you had three of those Peter Cushing movies, which are, which are kind of fun, you yeah. know, um, remind me a lot of, of planet of the apes oh, okay. for, for the way the, the look of them, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of that type of film stock. Okay. And, uh, um, so 89, it, uh, uh, it goes off air after being on continuously since 63. Yeah. And, uh, not, I mean, there was a little bit of a protest. Doctor Who aired on Saturday night at six or six 30. I can't remember in, in, um, in England. And at that point it was just kind of dead. So there were a couple of attempts, half-hearted attempts to revive it in uh, 96 Fox in the BBC co-produced a Doctor Who movie to air on Fox as a backdoor pilot. Hmm. If you remember back in the uh, in the early 90s, mid-90s, Fox became known as kind of the sci-fi network. Right. You had X-Files on. You had Sliders, mm -hmm. which, remember Sliders? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love Sliders. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Space Above and Beyond yeah. and a variety of those shows. So Doctor Who fit really well with what they were doing at Fox at the time. Mm -hmm. And so they cast P Paul McGann uh, as the doctor. Uh, Eric Roberts was the master. The really? master is the doctor's arch uh, arch nemesis, a lot like a Sherlock Holmes, Moriarty. Mori yeah, Moriarty, okay. Yeah, type of relationship. He's a, he's a, a renegade time lord who does evil. And uh, so they brought Sylvester. Had that been a character throughout the series as well? So it's uh, the master started in uh, under John Pertwee, the third doctor. And uh, it was Roger Delgado who was the... Um, um, I think I'm pronouncing his last name correct. Um, right. He was the uh, he was the master in those early '70s serials. Okay. He was he and John Pertwee were close personal friends, mm. and um, he was uh, Delgado was killed in a car wreck. Wow! And so the the master the appearances of the master came to a halt in um, at the end of the Pertwee era, and apparently Pertwee was so. Um, devastated that he almost quit the quit the role um and so the master was brought back with a different actor um kind of midway towards the end of the tom baker years mm -hmm. because again the master is a regenerates as well yeah yeah and um so they brought him back for the uh for the um the fox movie eric roberts who you know, had some some fame and fortune at that point. I yeah. mean, Eric Roberts done a lot of good stuff. And they took my thumb, Charlie. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so Sylvester McCoy, who was the seventh Doctor on the BBC series, came in to shoot one last regeneration scene and uh, regenerate into Paul McCann. McGann. They ended up in San Francisco, and they kind of rewrote a little bit of the backstory somewhat okay. uh, to make it a little bit more. Um, accessible to to a new audience that 
movie, that TV movie did not have the numbers that they thought it would. So it was shut down until 2005 when Russell T Davies brought it back. Russell T Davies, uh, grew up a huge Dr. Who fan, uh, TV producer for the BBC he was known for developing and producing queer as folk on, okay. on BBC one. And, um, so he brought in, revived it with Christopher Eccleston prior to that 2006 reviving of Dr. Who, there was a uh, kind of a radio one-off called uh, Invasion of Shawclaw or something like that uh, that the BBC put on their their radio, which I think is BBC One as well. I think so, yeah, BBC One Radio. Yeah. And they did an audio drama, Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Okay. Richard Grant was the doctor. Okay. And so it had been announced that Richard Grant was going to be the new doctor in the TV revitalization of it in 2006. So that was over. 304. Apparently, those negotiations broke down. They hired Christopher Eccleston, right? Who had had been in a few roles. I knew him from uh, from um, what was it? Twenty seven days later, not twenty seven days, twenty eight days later. Yeah, yeah. 27, 28. Yeah. Well, twenty seven days later is the Sandra Bullock uh, recovering oh, alcohol, right. yeah. alcoholic yeah. movie. Twenty eight days later, yeah, was the vampire. Well, it was it was it was, it was the fast zombie thing. It yeah, was okay. Danny Boyle. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so he was kind of the crazy army sergeant mm-hmm. in that. And uh, so he came in. Billy Tyler was was hired as his companion Rose. Right. And uh, it really was a soft reboot of the show. They acknowledged all the previous history, uh, but they took it in a new direction. It was... Um, it was a limited series, like BBC dramas are now, where they're you know ten episodes, and uh, so it was ten one hour episodes. Um, they they cut it. Sci fi here uh, at the time, Sci fi in the United States uh, decided not to pick it up, oh. which was really weird. That, that seems strange. So it was really successful in uh, in Britain. They announced season two, and then Eccleston quit. So he did leave. He wasn't he did. asked to leave or invited to leave. So is this around the time of the G.I. Joe stuff? Did he think he was going to be? Yeah, so no one really knows what happened. I uh-huh. mean, Eccleston's it actually kind of had nothing to do with Doctor Who after he left and has recently kind of warmed up to the fandom because he was a fabulous doctor. Yeah. And uh, um, so whether there A were, lot of people really liked the edge that he brought. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. And... and um, I, I love the costume. I love the fact that he was kind of a, a, a postmodern type of doctor. He wasn't mm-hmm. very silly at all. Um, but apparently there was a creative dispute. Um, uh, you know, Eccleston didn't like the way the show was going. Don't know exactly what it was. So he quit at the end of the 2006 series. And uh, they hired this this dude named David Tennant, who right. no one had had really heard of much. Uh, had he, he done Harry Potter by that point? He just finished doing Harry Potter. Okay, and, so not out. I mean, even in that part, he was not well known. Yeah, yeah, Barty Crouch Jr. and right. Harry Potter. And uh, David Tennant was fabulous in the role. And uh, that's really where it started to blossom. Very, very much shades of Tom Baker. And I'd have to look up and see how long Tennant was in the role. I think it was in the role for four years. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. Yeah, so so he did three years of uh, ten episodes. Then his last year, they did four specials or whatever. Four specials, yeah. Yeah, because he was doing some some other things. And he's a Shakespeare guy, too, right? He he is. He is. And so, so here's one of the interesting things from the from the tenant years. Uh, so there was an episode called "The Doctor's Daughter," 
Right. And uh, so starring Georgia Moffat. And so uh, Tenet's doctor, they'd gotten a sample from him. They cloned him. And he came out to be a female and became out to be Georgia Moffat. And uh, so um, that's the first time that Georgia and David Tennant had met. Georgia Moffat's dad was Peter Davidson, right. the fifth the doctor, doctor. after Baker. That's after right. After Tom Baker. Yeah. yeah. And, and so Georgia Moffat and David Tennant ended up getting married. Yeah, that's wild. So, so uh, David Tennant's, his doctor was Peter Davidson. Now that's his, that's his father-in-law. Wow. So, which, is, which is really kind of fun. And uh, so, and despite all those connections, there's nothing really weird about the whole. Oh thing. no, not <laughs> at all, not at all. They did uh, uh, it, during Tenet's run. They did well. Doctor Who has this history, this tradition of at uh, particular intervals doing a a bring as many doc previous doctors back together to go save the universe. And uh, they did it at the 10th anniversary with the three doctors, with the first three doctors. At the 20th anniversary, they did the five doctors. Um, there was a children's in need special that uh, uh, that the Doctor Who team put together. And children in need is a um, it's a telethon sort of thing that happens on the BBC where they're raising money for children's causes. And so folks will do special one-off creatives for it. And so um, they did this great mini episode about eight or nine minutes long where Peter Davidson's doctor and David Tennant's doctor end up in the control room of the TARDIS together. Wow. And it's great. And, uh, and Tennant, I mean, and, and, and Peter Davidson looks great. He had the same costume on. It was a little tight. And Tennant's like, yeah, there must be something wrong with the temporal instability. This is just a little tight, you know, don't yeah. know what's going on. And it was just, it was, it was great. It was a, that's one of the great things about Dr. Who's the homage to the, to the previous year. So, you know, he's, he's hanging with his, his father-in-law. Yeah. And, uh, so Tennant did a great job expanding the role. Um, then Matt Smith came in. Uh-huh. And okay, so what number are we with Matt Smith? So Matt Smith is technically Doctor Number Ten. Number Ten. Okay. Uh, no, I'm a liar. Eleven. It would be eleven. 11. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. That one it goes to, to eleven. 11. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Ten. Eccleston was nine. Because there is a caveat to this, this whole right. brilliant idea that's that right you're going to explain that's right so smith comes in smith i think is 20 cents when he's cast as the role in the role um and so there's a change of showrunners from russell t davies to uh stephen moffat and moffat uh had written several one-off episodes and um he did. He wrote Blink, which, yeah, which is, is great. One of the ones we had assigned to us. And yeah, it's a phenomenal episode. And you do not have to be a Doctor Who. No, fan. I, was, I was saying as I was watching it, I wish I had uh, saved it and watched it with uh, Becky because I think she would have enjoyed it. It's just a fun, spooky, it is kind of uh, story. And and, uh, and the Doctor's almost a MacGuffin. Really? It? Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, that's a good way to put it because he's he's, uh, you know. He moves the plot along, but you really could have taken his his role out or replaced him by something else. He didn't have to necessarily be the doctor. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it it's uh, it's really brilliant the way they they. Mm-hmm. Well, we won't get into. We're already. At, yeah, yeah. This, we're at thirty is, minutes. This is obviously going to be a, a need for a second. Yeah, thing. yeah. So we'll, I will say with that episode, uh, it reminded me. There's an episode with Bill Bixby of Night Gallery that terrified me as a kid. And uh, Bill Bixby buys this house, and he they're in the in the backyard. Did, did somebody make him angry? No, you wouldn't like him if he was angry. 
It made him scared. That wasn't so bad. But there was a, a statue in the backyard that ends up, you know, doing the same thing. You turn and you look, and it's 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 turned, and it ends up, you know, chasing him into the house. Or, but but that, there was never this time where it turned and ran. Yeah. It was always you turn, and it would be just like a statue that had moved a few feet. So yeah. Uh, that was just terrifying to me. And the weeping angels did the same thing. It was just because the lights are flashing on and off and you get this, you know, all of a sudden the angel is stuck in this pose. You go, good grief, this is so scary. And they're not even moving. You think I could run away from this thing and get away from it, but you you don't feel like you could. They're, they're, they're quantum locked. Yeah. 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 And, uh, what, what a great, it was a great one-off feeling, yeah. and I think they ended up overusing the Weeping Angels yeah, later but that on. that one worked very well. And, uh, and I really liked Sally Sparrow. I'd like to have seen more of Sally Sparrow. Yeah, I thought yeah. she was a good character. Um, like I said, I know we're we're pushing time here. Yeah. You've got so much more to discuss. Oh, yeah. I've got three more podcasts to discuss. Yeah, but, well, uh, well, you asked me questions. I tell you, so after, let me just wrap up. So after Tenet, there's Smith. Matt Smith comes on 26, mm-hmm. age 26. He's the... Uh, He's a eleventh doctor, uh, and he's the doctor during uh, the fiftieth anniversary. Stephen Moffat, who wrote Blank, becomes showrunner, and that's really the gigantic explosion of Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, BBC America, uh, the first the first series of Doctor of the revives Doctor Who aired on Sci Fi. Then uh, they moved it to BBC America, and that was really the place where Doctor Who blossomed in the U.S., and it became a, uh, a cornerstone of the BBC America program. Right. And uh, so leading up to the 50th anniversary, and then it became cool to be a guest star, to be on, the guest star on Doctor Who. And so you had all kinds of folks. You had Kylie Minogue. You had, uh, oh, um, oh, who was, who was the— uh, who, Is she the one that's in the video on uh, Midnight? No, okay. no, I was thinking, no. I've thought like that. Uh, who played um, Downton Abbey? Hugh Bonneville. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and so you had all these actors come in who were famous, uh-huh. and they would they would guest star on. Yeah, leading up to the fiftieth anniversary episode, and then. Uh, um, Matt Smith stepped down. They brought in Peter Capaldi, uh-huh. who was arguably the most famous actor. To take the role? Yeah, yeah. prior to Doctor Who. Capaldi grew up a huge Doctor Who fan. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he was uh, he got into a little petty argument with uh, one of the guys who were the leader of the Doctor Who fan club in, in Britain back in the 70s. Wow. And they had letter-writing spars in Doctor Who magazines. That's interesting. And so it, it's, it was a dream role for him. Did it for three years. Did a great job. He did it for three years. He did okay. it for three years. Wow. And, and Doctor Who's now is very demanding. You really can't do much beyond Doctor yeah. Who. It's like being in a regular television it is. series. It, it is. becomes kind of your life. And if you've got hiatus, you might try to work a movie in. That's right. But, and that's what Tenet did. Yeah. So. And, but for an actor of uh, his caliber, you could see where he's going, this has been great, been a, you know fun, yeah. kind of a, a bucket list kind of thing to do. Yeah. But you know, he's got a career that I'm sure he wants to go beyond Doctor Who as well. Exactly. And then, uh, so he, he was in it for three years. Then, um, they changed showrunners. So from, from Stephen Moffat to Chris Chibnall, who had been a writer, uh, on Doctor Who as well. But Chibnall is best known for the series Broadchurch, which okay. was on ITV, mm-hmm. um, in, uh, in Britain. Fabulous, fabulous show. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Tennant was on the show. 
Um, Jody Whitaker was on the show. There are a couple other. Olivia du- Coleman was she in that? As Olivia well? Coleman yeah. and uh, and they did an Americanized version yeah. of Tenet as well. Yeah, and I don't think it was as well received. It um, wasn't. It was. It, we watched. It was. It was good. It was very well done. Yeah. But I think the the people that knew about it had already seen yeah. Broadchurch and uh, you know kind of. Uh, didn't didn't much take to it. Broadchurch was fabulous. Yeah, I have and, to go back and watch that. I haven't and, watched that. And so uh, there's several Doctor Who connections from mm-hmm. actors. Uh, and so uh, uh, Chibnall takes over as showrunner, and uh, they cast the first female Doctor ever as Jodie Whittaker. Mm-hmm. And so Jodie is the the 13th Doctor. And uh, but I thought there could only be there could only be 12. 12. That's right. But the Time Lords granted the doctor some extensions to his life cycle because of uh, services rendered. Okay. The very thing that got the earlier doctor in trouble. (laughs) Now all of a sudden. Of course. Of course. But hey, but look, one thing, and like I said, no, we got time. One thing that works so great about this regeneration process of this regeneration idea is that there are plenty of other series where you've had to recast the actor, you know, Tarzan series, Sherlock Holmes, James Bond, probably most famously you have to recast. You could never bring those other folks back. You might could do some kind of little cameo. You might have Johnny Wisemuller in the background as a as a great white hunter kind of guy. Yeah, they did some of that. But but this, you can bring them all back and 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 have them involved in that thing. And it's a great bit of fan service, but it it's is. also a great bit of storytelling to think that this is all in there. So I think that's a that's a neat, like you said, a great uh, literary conceit that they're uh, that they're using with that. And they they all bicker. Right. Yeah, right. They, yeah, they, they all they, and they know each other and they bicker and it's really funny. Okay. So too much uh, of a can of worms to open up John Hurt's role in this. Well, I tell you what, we we are at forty minutes on this. Let's wonderful come back episode. and do. Uh, Let's bring Jay back from yeah, parts unknown because he's got a million questions. Yeah, that yeah. We probably need to answer. And also, and we haven't even touched on this yet. I think we need to talk about companions. Yeah, you know, because they've been there since the beginning. Am I right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, so I think the, a couple more episodes certainly worth exploring. On you this. know, it's it's fifty plus years of science science fiction yeah. that that's worldwide yeah. in popularity and it's a whole different fandom than a star wars or star trek mm-hmm. and uh it's it's cool i mean it's it's the thing that i became a super fan of earliest right and uh, you know probably about the same time i saw star wars mm-hmm. but it was you know star wars is is space opera space fantasy yeah love star wars uh-huh. uh doctor who it just was a little bit different yeah so. oh yeah well, like in terms of my one of my favorite characters, I'll say fascinating. <laughs> there you go. All right, Mr. Spock. Uh, well, that does it for this episode. Uh, Jay, we missed you, even though we tried to get you in with Skype, and we didn't talk too bad about you. We'll grab you next time. Uh, thank you guys for listening. See you next time.